Hey Hill City, my name's Matt and I'm part of the team here. We're so glad you're online with us this morning. We want you to know that Hill City is a safe place for you to get to know Jesus. So if you're curious or you have doubts, questions, or fears, we'd be honored to talk through them with you. If you've been watching with us, we wanna check in with you and, and make sure you're doing okay. You can fill out a connection card on our website to help you get connected with real live people. Today, we've got a few songs and then the next message in our sermon series. Thanks for being here.
mountain high, valley low, I'm gonna sing wherever I go.
church and in the lives and hearts of people in this community. And there's a reality that, you know, for some people today, they came in celebrating. Some people came in today feeling beat up, broken, and bruised. And so, um, God, this morning, my hope is that we'll be able to experience you in such a profound way and understand that for all of us, the, the story isn't over that um, you're writing something new for us and transformative and for us to experience. And, um, and so, God, in the midst of celebrating today all that you've done and, and everything, God, I just don't want us to miss this moment of, of you and your spirit just, like, weaving in and out of, like, each and every person here, just wanting every person in this room to experience you in a new way. And in a way to start a new chapter with new hope and, um, and God with you at the center of it. We give this to you in your name we pray. Everyone said amen. amen. You guys can have a seat. You can have a, a seat. Well, good morning, y'all. Um, we're excited today. Hey, Lamont, can you get the mic and bring it over here? The, yeah, thanks. Um, we're excited today. So we're going to have a few baptisms um, before I get into the sermon. And you, this is our um, birthday today, so we're celebrating in a lot of different ways. And um, last week we had, I don't know, we, we had a couple of baptisms, and then um, we wanted to do some more uh, this week, because what, this is like, baptism is like the Pledge of Allegiance for a Christian, okay? And so um, this is really what it means. So if you've never seen a, a baptism like this, or you're wondering what it's going to be like, or whatever, um, here's what's just going to happen. We've got uh, four folks getting baptized today, and one of the things that we, uh, yeah, 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 you can clap for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One of the things that uh, we do here is uh, when there's someone significant in their life um, that, they, uh, that has played a pivotal role in their faith that they would love to have baptized them, we have them baptize them, and, um, which is really cool. And so we're going to see this um, here today. But here's what baptism is. Um, you know, in Romans chapter 6, it talks about how what baptism is. is like we are identifying with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so when you see someone go underneath the water, um, it's like the old's being gone, and as they come up, the new uh, is being like just presented. Like the old is gone, the new is here. This is a public declaration of their faith in Jesus. And this is something that we see all throughout Scripture, and um, that as part of what happened was is when people came to faith in Jesus, um, they went and got baptized. Um, and this was like a significant moment. When, they, when people did this 2,000 years ago, now it's not going to happen here, but when people did this 2,000 years ago, they, in, in a lot of them, they died. Because what they were proclaiming was like that Jesus is Lord. And it's very, very significant. It's significant. And it still holds true today. It's so significant. It's a sacred moment that we all get to be a part of. And that's why we encourage everyone to get baptized if you haven't. And so all these guys have made a decision to follow Jesus. And here is your only role in this. You just go wild. Okay, like that's it. And so like they're going to come in and um, Annalisa and the others that are doing the baptisms, like Annalisa will come in and she'll, she'll introduce who she's baptizing. And um, it's Rose. But like, so she's like, hey, this is Rose. When, when she's like, hey, this is Rose, you guys respond by saying, hey, Rose. All right, so that's what you do. And then they'll lead them through it. And then when they come up out of the water, you just lose your mind for a second. I right, just go crazy. That's it. All right. You guys ready? Let's do it.
Everyone, this is Lee. Hey! <laughs> Lee, do you publicly declare your faith in Jesus? Yes, I do. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Cassie. Hey, Cassie. Cassie, do you publicly declare your faith in Jesus? I do. Yay, then I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Can we give it up for him one more time? Congrats, you guys. What a beautiful moment to be a part of, and what um, such a cool way to celebrate our birthday is having baptisms and these guys publicly declaring their faith here uh, this morning. Um, if you're new here, my name is John Wagler. I'm part of this Hill City team. So grateful that you decided to spend a, a portion of your uh, Sunday here with us. Um, we're just super excited. It's our birthday. It's been, so it's been seven years. This is our seventh birthday. I was looking back and re reflecting. Yeah. Um, we're just reflecting on all the things God has done over seven years. And, um, you know, that none of what we're doing today is 
ever about us. It's really about the work of Jesus and, um, and the way the Spirit of God moves. And um, this has been such an incredible ride for, for seven years and um, so many things to celebrate. And, um, and you guys are a part of that story that is being written here for this church. And um, just what an honor it is for Lacey and I to co-lead this um, together and um, with the staff and everything. And just, it's, it's truly, it's such a wonderful, wonderful joy. Um, even though it's been like a hard year for many different reasons, um, or I should say hard two years uh, for many different reasons. Um, but through it all, it's been cool to see just the faithfulness of God. Um, the, we're going to sing a song called The Promises, called Promises um, at the end, um, which is really about that. Like the, God doesn't fail, right? Like God, he, what he says is going to come true. And we keep seeing that over and over and over again in this community. It's so wonderful. And so um, just thank you for being a part of it. If you're new here, um, this is just who we are. Okay, so um, we always say if you come on our birthday, we know if you're one of our people or not. And it's fine. If you're not, if you're not it's fine. There's like a lot of great other churches. Um, we'd love to help you find one, but we just, we love to celebrate. We love to um, do stuff like this. this is, let me say this. This isn't every week. We're not going to have confetti blowers and everything else every week. But, um, but we just, you know, we, we do love to celebrate. And this is a part of our personality um, here as a church. And so just thankful for that you're here. Um, before I get into the message, I also want to highlight quickly because the end today is just, it's going to be so frantic a little bit. So um, I do want to highlight Influencers um, Weekend is coming up next week and um, this coming Friday and Saturday. It is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to be in community with others, to learn and grow in your faith. Um, some powerful worship will happen, but we've had some like great speakers as well. Some of, some of these speakers are like nationally known speakers, um, in particular Derek, uh, Caroline Leaf, but um, so they're nationally known speakers and um, we're, we're bringing them in for, I'm telling you like, you do not wanna miss this. Um, it's cheap. It's very cheap to, to, to um, be a part of it. And, um, and so it's for everybody. It really is. Um, it's for everybody. And, um, and I have said this for the last few weeks. If you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. All right? Um, that's, how much, that's how much I trust how good it's going to be. And, um, and so I want you guys to be a part of that Friday and Saturday. Um, it'll be well worth your time and your money. All right, so we're in this series called Built to Last, and we kicked it off last week. And really at the end, it, it's about the church. It's about why this matters. It's about what, what all this stuff is and why it's so significant and why we celebrate uh, so much. And um, we said this, that the church, the church represents who? Do you remember from last week? Mm. I hoping for a little bit better. Who does it represent? Jesus, good job. Again, y'all, like 90% of the time, if you just say that, you're probably right, right? So it represents the resurrected Jesus. That's what the church does. The church represents the resurrected Jesus. And then we said it's empowered by who? The Holy Spirit. And here we go. Here we go. Here we go. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? And then here's what ends up happening, that when the church represents Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we become witnesses, right? We become witnesses. We become part of this cosmic story that's being represented here in humanity. And I love, I love, 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 last week I highlighted these two passages. I want to bring them up again because of how important they are. 
that we see that this church plays this pivotal role in terms of engaging culture, engaging evil, um, engaging the things of this world. In Genesis chapter 3, it says this. This is part of the creation story when things went awry. It says that, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed you are above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will, and this is the big part right here. What's that word? Crush your head and he will strike his heel. And what he ends up meaning here is what the writer's saying is that within the realm of, of things of this world and things of evil and, and of Satan and the devil and all those things, all the demonic the things that are described that way, there's always going to be chaos. There's always going to be disorder. Um, there's always going to be division. There's always going to be hatred. Things are going to be out of order, okay? That's how you know. When things are out of order, that's how you know it's not representing the things of God. And, and what this says is like there's going to come a time where that's going to get crushed. And who's going to crush it? You're still right. Who's going to crush it? The resurrected Jesus crushes it because he goes in. He's like, you know what? Death and evil and sin and everything. I'm going up on this cross. I'm going to defeat it by rising again. That's why we sing, I thank God for that, right? And so it, it changes everything. And then so Jesus does this. But then Jesus starts this whole thing called the church. This whole thing called the church. And this is how it's written in Romans chapter 16. It says, the God of peace will soon what? The same word is there. Crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And so what Paul here, he's writing, he's saying, he's like, listen, to you, my believers, to those that are in the church, those that say to follow Jesus, that represent the resurrected Jesus, empowered by the Spirit of God. Do you remember the story when he said we're going to crush, like, Satan and crush evil? Guess who's going to be responsible for that now? The church. Through who? By representing the resurrected Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, that when the church does what the church is supposed to do, evil gets crushed. That's why it's such a big deal. That's why it's so sacred. That's why it matters to be in this. And so that's why it's built to last. Is it chaotic right now out there? Yes. Is there disorder everywhere? Yes. Is there division and hatred and evil and all those things? Yes. Are we people of hope? Yes. Why? Because we know through the resurrected Jesus, empowered by the Spirit of God, become witnesses to that message, and we can crush all that stuff. That's how significant all this stuff really is. I was thinking about this story um, that I read recently about this guy, Brother Lawrence, in the year 258. It talks about like his devotion to his life and to his faith. And this, this word devotion has been just kind of ringing in my brain for a little while. And um, it's going to be a key word for today. And, and, he, and I was reading about his devotion to, to Jesus. And so, um, again, early third century, um, Christianity is heavily persecuted. The Roman Empire at, at that point in time hears about this church that Brother Lawrence is actually a part of. And, um, and they had been helping the poor and the marginalized and, and those that were really sick and everything. And they had stored away all this money to do so. And so um, the Roman Empire hears about this, and he calls, um, well, first he calls, they had seven leaders. He calls six of them, uh, all seven of them, and he beheads six of them. And then he talks to Lawrence, and he says, I'll give you clemency if you bring all of the riches into my palace, basically, and, um, and then I'll give you clemency, and you can live. And so Lawrence looks at him, and he goes, I'll bring in the riches. Don't worry. 
So he goes back, and this is like the biggest baller move ever. Here's what he does. He comes back in, and they say, hey, uh, Brother Lawrence is here, and the emperor at the time goes, let him in. And he's like, does, does he have my riches? And, he, and, and they're like, he's coming in. And Brother Lawrence says, I have your riches. And he turns around, and guess who he brought to the palace with him? All of the poor, all of the weak, all of the sick, all of the marginalized people that they were happy. He was like, these are our riches. And so he gets killed for his faith. Why? Because of his incredible devotion to Jesus. What's interesting is not that long afterwards, the, the Roman Empire falls. Do you know why? Because there was this grouping of people so devoted to Jesus that they flipped an entire empire upside down. So even when I look around now and people are like, oh, what can we possibly do? And I'm like, we've been here before. We've been here before. And it already happened that when we really get devoted to the ways of Jesus, everything gets flipped upside down. It's like the, the accepted and normalized way that caused all the chaos and disorder. It doesn't make sense anymore. It doesn't. And it's like, man, when, when God's people, the church, like, it tends to be the church that's supposed to be the church and, and representing the resurrected Jesus empowered by the Spirit so we can become witnesses, and, like things just get flipped upside down. And it changes everything. And so it's like, man, if you want to see what can happen to us, chaos, to make sure things get reordered back to the way they should be, we hold the answers to it. Jesus says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom if we want to really engage. And so it's all about our devotion. Um, Dallas Willard says this. He says, there is no problem in human life that apprenticeship to Jesus cannot solve. There's no problem. Name any problem that's out there. And what Willard is saying is here, just, just follow Jesus wholeheartedly and you're going to find the solution to it. There's no problem that following Jesus cannot solve. Here's what I know about us, though. Um, every single person in this room, you live your life out boldly for something. Even the quietest, most shy person in this room, you live your life boldly for something. That the way that you live says it declares a message to people around you that you boldly live for something. When you go to work, you boldly live for something. When you're with your friends, you boldly live for something. You boldly live for something. And here's what I want us to process together today, is that we boldly live out whatever we are devoted to the most. We boldly live out to whatever we, we are devoted to the most. The things that we declare loudest in our lives. Do you want to know how, how the easiest way to, to figure this part out is like, what do you prioritize most in your life? That's what you're devoted to. What is it? Like, look at your calendar. Look at your, think about your thoughts. Like, your friendships. and it, Whatever you are devoted to the most. Like, that's what you're living out boldly. And I wonder, I wonder if we were all able to pause, like, man, what would it look like for people to actually live out their faith boldly? What does that mean for me? What does that look like in my life? What would begin to change if it was boldly declared what I'm devoted to the most? I was processing a little bit about um, how does it work that um, we compromise our faith? We got all this stuff in front of us. We know all these things. Like, what does it look like to compromise our faith? And so I wrote down four things that I think... Um, impact us the most. And I'm going to get into the passage in a second, but I just want to like highlight this stuff first. 
So these are the things that you can do to distort like, people's faith and make them compromise in their faith. The first one is you distort your priorities. You distort your priorities. Um, how many of y'all get distracted, right? You know what you should do, but you get distracted, right? And your priorities can get distracted, right? You're like, no, I should eat this, but I get distracted. I should spend my time, I get distracted. And it's so easy. Here's what else is so easy to do. If we're all honest for just a second, I wonder how many of us would proclaim that we create our own priority conflicts, right? Just by how we go about our lives. It's like, man, I actually create my own priority conflict by the way I go about my life. I know what I want to prioritize, but I'm in conflict with that because of the way I live it out. And so that's easy to do, to distort our priorities. The second thing is to indoctrinate with different language. Um, we see this all throughout culture. Um, we see this, like, um, I'll, I'll give you an example of, like, uh, oh, it's your truth. Uh, my truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. And, and we can be like, oh, that sounds cool. It's not cool. It's actually incredibly illogical. But, like, it's, it's not cool. Why? You indoctrinate with that kind of language, and inevitably what happens, you compromise your faith in Jesus. And so it's important to even, like, take in, like, what kind of language am I, like, allowing to be spoken into my brain and I'm actually accepting? And is that compromising my faith in Jesus? Um, even when you think about um, the merger of certain things and certain language and everything, um, that we, like, merge things with Jesus and other things. We're combining them together. It's like, no, no, we don't do that. It's, it's Jesus, okay, then everything else. So it's like important to see, like, man, is there some kind of language that's impacting? Um, the third thing there is to isolate or, um, or highlight individualism. Um, we do this with a saying, and I've probably even said this at one point in my life. I, I won't ever it again. But um, have you ever heard the saying, the church is not just a building? Yes. Has anyone admittedly said that? I'm raising my hand. Okay, I said that as well. And um, I thought about that saying a lot. And there is some truth to it, right? Like, it, there's, there's some truth to it of, like, it's not just a building. We're supposed to, like, go live our faith everywhere else. Like, we're part of the church. That's what it looks like. But it also then can be demeaning to actually what this is. And so there is a piece of this where I'm like, but the church is part of, like, being gathered in a building sometimes, right? And, and it matters. And, and, and part of the reason is when you accept the statement that this stuff doesn't matter, then we highlight, like, our own individualism, our own individualistic faith. And we step away from the things that, like, we should want to gather. And, how, like, how can, we, how can we truly love one another if we don't prioritize gathering with, a, with one another, right? And so there's a part of it. That's big, medium, and small. And so prioritizing those things. And so in understanding, like, well, I just want to, like, just be individualistic about everything. Think about, like, the thing you hold in your hand all the time that promotes, like, an edited self-version, Right? of who we are in, the, in your phone, and the screen distracts us from people and um, highlights our individualism, right? If someone, if you're, if you're hanging out with someone and you go out to lunch or to dinner or whatever, and someone puts their phone on the table in front of you, what do you automatically know? You're getting distracted immediately, and then intrinsically, you're psychologically telling yourself at some point we're going to get interrupted, so how, how deep in this conversation do I actually want to be? Why? Because you were like, man, even the, the phone of it in itself distracts us and prioritizes what? What I want to do. Like this individual and isolated nature. And I know some of you were like, that's why I got to watch. <laughs> you think that's better? It ain't better. Right? It's actually easier. Right? It's easier because you think you're hiding all the time. You can like position your wrist in a certain way. But everyone sees your eyes. Right? Like so, but that's part of it. 
and understand, man, some of these things are just like distracting and compromised. And when I say, like, whoa, whoa, how's my phone compromised my faith? Here's how it does, because it can interrupt how you love one another. It's just important to like take it in. The last one is the highlight achievement or accomplishments, right? We become everything about like what we've done. And um, this is something for me, I'm an achiever, like that's just who I am. And, um, and I like seeing goals and meeting those goals and I like the doing things, okay? I like accomplishing things. And um, even this week, this is something that I struggled with um, as I was just like looking on Instagram and saw a friend's church and I saw a couple of things that they were doing and I felt it inside of me, this whole comparison thing. And I felt that like, it, it was like, and I could feel like rather than me being an encourager of what was going on, rather than me loving what was happening in their church, rather than like feeling all that, I could just feel in myself a comparison that I was just like, oh, that's not right. And I was like fighting it for a long, like way longer than I should. I could just feel it because I'm like, ah, oh, it's about accomplishment and doing this. And like, I was just like, oh man, that's like, it can compromise our faith in Jesus. Paul writes this letter um, called Titus, to, or to Titus, and he's writing it to the, in the New Testament, and he's writing this letter to uh, the Cretans on the island of Crete. And um, this is the reason why I actually had a whole different message prepared, and then I switched it all like middle of the week because of this passage. Um, what was going on during Crete during that time is, is actually really similar to what's happening here in our own country. And, um, and so there's, uh, they, they were trained um, assassins in that country. They were, they, you guys have heard of like Sparta, you know, like the feeling of like Sparta. Like that is the same way in Crete. Um, they had, um, they were super diverse um, so they had a lot of beliefs, like on that island, they were, um, had a lot of different types of people um, that uh, lived there. Um, they had this belief that Zeus um, was born in a cave on Crete, and so um, they merged this language of like the gods and country and, and everything, and there was a kind of merger that was happening within that. And so um, what was interesting, I was like reading historically about that place, I was like, man, there's just so many similarities, just kind of how they think and what they were processing. And Paul writes this letter um, to Titus, one of the leaders there, and it's, and it's interesting to see, he's like, man, I want to give you guys like the things to be devoted to. And I just want to highlight two of them here today. It's like some things like, man, in the midst of us, so you don't compromise your faith, so you don't give in to anything else. I, want to, I just want to give you guys a few things here, and we're just going to highlight two, two of those few, but like, I want you to be devoted to them so you can boldly live them out. So in Titus, it says this, starting in verse 1, Titus 3. He says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and be ready to do whatever is, what does that say? Good. To slander no one. Hmm. Should I just stop there? Um, to be peaceable, considerate, and always be gentle toward everyone. He's speaking to Christians here. And he's like, this is how you should be defined. This is the way you act. At one time, we too, I love this part. One time, we too, we were foolish disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. All he's saying is here, man, we just, we wanted the things of this world. We wanted the passions and the pleasures. We were just devoted. That's what we boldly lived out. We wanted to do all of those things. Man, we were foolish and deceived. And here's how we knew that, because we would hate on one another. I 
I just like the silence at that point. But, so he says, he says, we used to be this way and foolish. And he says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, who's that? Jesus. We're good, y'all. Keep, keep rolling with Jesus today. <laughs> he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, right? Not because you're so good, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing, rebirth, and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Look at this. So that those things happened, all right? All those things happened. So that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, right? We inherit this thing called the hope of eternal life. It's fascinating, because like the hope of eternal life means like, whoa, whoa, whoa through Jesus, then those that follow Jesus and to live in this crazy culture that we represent the hope of eternal life because that's what we've inherited. It changes everything. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful, here's that word, to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for Everyone. Hmm. But avoid foolish. Here we go. You ready? But avoid foolish what? You know what another word for that is? Conspiracies. Hmm. And genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the what? Because these are what? You guys are weighing on me a little bit. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, look at this. Paul ain't playing. Have nothing to do with them. Hmm. You may be sure that such people are warped. Come on. And sinful, they're self-condemned. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, man. Paul, if Paul were here today, he would be like, man, I already wrote this. You you guys want to know how to respond to what's going on? I already wrote this. It changes everything. It changes how we view all this stuff and the perspective. Here's the first thing. We need to be devoted to not being a jerk. <laughs> You'd think this would be easier. But man, it's fascinating how we're not that great at this as those that are supposed to be peaceful and gentle and loving and kind and forgiving and gracious and patient. It's like, man, those are supposed to be like defining words for us as Christians in the church and step into it in this way. Paul says, don't slander anyone. You know how that works, right? If you like a post that slanders someone else, Guess what you just did? You helped slander somebody. If you share an article that slanders someone, it's like, just because you didn't do it verbally doesn't mean you didn't do it. In contributing to the awful culture that we see. And it's like, Paul's like, don't do that. You know who, do, you know who does stuff like that? Foolish, deceived Sinful, warped people. His words, not mine. 
That's what he says. He's like, don't do it. Do not slander anyone. He's like, don't be foolish like that. What I see a lot of Christians do right now, and, um, and I too feel the urge sometimes, like we can like hate on culture so much, or we hate on people, or we hate on someone who disagrees with. And I wrote it down this way because I thought this would be appropriate. If you hate people or culture, you are no longer seeing the world around you with Christ-like vision. You have a pride and self-righteous induced perspective. And when we begin to see what we're supposed to be like, it's like, man, when we take a step, if, if we don't, in the disorder and the chaos and all that stuff, we're not taking a step back and thinking to ourselves, oh my gosh, like I know because of Jesus and who he is that I have this hope of eternal life inside of me that I'm supposed to represent and I'm supposed to be peaceful and gentle and kind and loving and forgiving and all those things. It doesn't mean we don't look for justice and all that. Like that's all part of it, but we do it in, the same, in a way that represents the way Jesus lived and what he taught. It's like, right, when we look at all the stuff around us, we don't hate on people. We think to ourselves, oh my gosh, the love of Christ, if this was to infuse those, how much things would begin to change. What ends up happening is rather than saying, let me bring light into darkness, we double down on darkness and think somehow we're going to get light. It doesn't work. It's like we either believe in the hope of Jesus and it works or not. The message of the gospel always ends in love. We know that, right? Always. Always ends in love. I was telling the band uh, before the service, I, so this coming week, um, I'm actually uh, presiding over three funerals. And um, I was telling the band that, like, I saw this quote um, that really, like, signified um, one of the funerals, like, one of the gentlemen that um, passed away recently, his name was Friend, and he was a part of our guest services team. And, and I read this quote, and uh, I read it yesterday, and I was like, man, this is like, I want to share this at his funeral and, and everything. And um, it talks about, it said this, it says, duty makes us do things with excellence, but love makes us do it beautifully. And I was like, man, if, if love is at the heart of everything that we do. And if love at the end of the gospel is always love, then guess what? When people see the church and how the church interacts with one another and how the church interacts with culture, guess what they say? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Why? Because they're so devoted to this Jesus. They're so devoted and boldly living it out. And it is so beautiful because it's in love. But they disagree. It happens. It's done in love together. You know, you can't be in right relationship with Jesus until we're in right relationship with one another. Did you know that? Like the Bible talks a lot about this. James chapter 3, it talks about, hey, do you know what's causing all the fighting and quarreling and why you want to murder one another and everything else? Do you know what that is? Um, it, it's, it's you guys being in constant conflict and not being in right relationship with others. And it says this, that you can't flee the devil until you're in right relationship with people. You can't do it. You'll buy into the schemes of the devil. Ephesians chapter 2 says the same thing. I know you guys don't think I'm crazy, but it, this says, Ephesians chapter 2 says the same thing. It's like, man, you, gotta be in, you can't be in wrong relationship with people and being in right relationship with God. Because it's like, we got to, what, love God and love others. You cannot separate those two. 
John chapter 10 talks about that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, a lot of people think that that passage is talking about that the, that's what the devil does, but it's actually false religious people. That they, they, they steal the joy from people. Why? Because they're not in right relationship with them. Jesus says it this way in John chapter 17. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them will be what? One. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Meaning that until the church is together, the church loves one another. Until there's a beauty about the church, the world's not going to believe it's real. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are in one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. So until that stuff happens, and the world won't know that they sent them. Look at this. No, not that one. Here's the second part. Devoted to the gospel. This is it. I'm going to run through this one quick. Devoted to the gospel. Here's the formula that Paul gives. Jesus plus grace plus gospel plus eternal life equals a trustworthy saying. He's like, you can, I need you to stress this, that man, this Jesus plus the grace of Jesus means it's not about you, right? We did this a couple weeks ago, right? It's not about you. Look at the person next to you and say, it's not about you. There you go, right? It's by the grace, the grace of Jesus that we've been saved this message of the gospel and this hope of eternal life, this is a trustworthy saying. And we need to change, like being devoted to the gospel and boldly living it out, that's how we actually change. Here's the reality. The only thing that can stop the renewal of the spirit in our lives is our refusal to change. We want the spirit to move and be devoted to us and boldly live it out. Then we've got to be willing to change. I saw this quote this week. God's work of renewal is by his own spiritual power to redirect the whole creation back to himself, to its healthy functioning, to its intended goal, and to its place in the creative order. I think too often we shortchange this whole idea of the gospel and we say, oh, Jesus died and then he rose again. That's the gospel. And I'm like, kind of. But when Jesus actually talks about the gospel coming in, do you know what he does? You can read this in Mark. We just went through the study of it. And you can read in all the Gospels. When Jesus says the Gospel is here, he keeps teaching on it. And so the Gospel is all that Jesus taught. If we want to simplify the Gospel, absolutely, we can say something like Jesus came from heaven, like to be with us, you know. He died on a cross. Um, he rose again for the forgiveness of our sin. And, and we live that out, like to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And we can simplify the Gospel in that way. Absolutely, we can do that. But if we want to take the fullness of the gospel, we can be like, it's all that Jesus taught. That's the good news. And so when we represent the kingdom, when we're in the church represents, we represent all that Jesus taught, not just a portion of it. And it changes everything. People don't learn about Jesus off of what we think. They learn about Jesus because we live out what he taught. We boldly do this. We boldly do this. All that he taught. I want to end um, with this part because I think it's, this could be like a good visual um, for us to, to take in. Here's some description. These are all negative. There's some positives, of course. 
Um, but I wanted to do this because this is what the Bible does um, about things of this world and evil and, and everything else. And so I just wrote down some things about, you know, American culture. Like, it's busy, it's immoral, it's self-righteous, emotional, greedy, sexual, immoral, violent, angry, divisive, me-centered, prideful, gossip, disrespectful, and there's other things. And there's positive things we can do. But, but what the Bible does is, is it says, you want to know the things of this world? It kind of uses these descriptors. You want to know the things of, of like, evil? It uses, like, these descriptors. And I started thinking about, man... It's crazy how often the church is also described this way. But if we want to step into something so different and believe in the hope of Jesus, it's like available for us. It's here. It's, it's, we have access to this. You know, for seven years, um, we, when we started this church, we just had a vision. We want to create a safe place for people to explore their faith in Jesus. And we wanted the skeptic, we wanted the doubters, we wanted like, people who had tough church experiences, and, and we wanted to always be a safe place. We wanted to create space for tension and understanding that you know, within the context of real, authentic Christian community, you have tension, you have conflict. And it, like, in order to be a real Christian community, you have to have like, real grace and real, real conflict. You know, like that's a, a reality. And I started thinking about like, this next season for us as a church and what I think God's going to do I'm like, I, I believe, and you know, we talk about discipleship all the time, and we talk about this depth, and so I'm like, man, if we'll be devoted to the gospel, if we'll be devoted to all that Jesus taught, and I mean, and I'm, and I'm saying like, come up like together, challenging one another, being like, y'all, like that's not the gospel, that's not what Jesus taught, to start thinking that way, and like really like being like, this is like, oh man, when we do that, I think God is going to do something just, like it's been miraculous over seven years, but I, I really, really believe that what God's going to do, he's going to be like, man, if my people will stop having like priority conflicts, if my people will be devoted to me and boldly live it out, um, just watch me. Just watch me. Like, I don't know if we're, like, band, you guys can come back up. Like, this city belongs to Jesus. Other things can try and work itself, but the city and the people belong to Jesus, not to Hill City, not to any other church. The city belongs to Jesus. And so he's waiting for people to kind of step in and be like, you want to be devoted and boldly live it out? Watch what I'll do. And that's what I'm